Hello, friends, podcast listeners, and Romans. It is I, your co-host, one half of the podcast, and your favorite consort to the stars, Harrison. We're back with part two of the Black Panther episode of the Brown Not Black podcast. This one is picking up right where we left off and continuing with the points that we detailed near the start and, of course, the discussion that follows suit. If you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to share us with your friends, family, enemies even. We'll take any listeners that we can. And let us know what you think of the format. Don't be afraid to leave a comment or an email. Comment on a Instagram post if you'd like. We do love hearing feedback, and we do both read it. And try to cater our format based around that. We did something a little bit different with this episode, and sort of used the discussion point as a bit of a book report, in a way, where we covered the different points and then had discussions as we went along. It's a bit different than our free-form, casual conversation way of picking a topic apart, but it's a new season, so we're going to do new things. Anyways, I've rambled enough. Enjoy the rest of the show. I mean, do you want to read the next one? You could go that. You could go that way. I don't know. I feel like your voice has just gotten a lot of like airtime, and I kind of want to read one. Sure. Yeah. Go <laughs> off. Point six. Put some like smooth jazz in the background to this one to get my voice all right. Oh my god. <laughs> we want all black men to be exempt from military service. We believe that black people should not be forced to fight in the military service to defend a racist government that does not protect us. We will not fight and kill other people of color in the world who like black people, are being victimized by the white racist government of America. We will protect ourselves from the force and the violence of the racist police and the racist military by whatever means necessary. Hmm. I don't know if you could hear. I stood up as yeah. I was reading that. <laughs> as you should. I mean, this is... Again, this is something still still happening there are still protests over point number six i think from from multiple angles one is we don't really need to be as militaristic as we are i think especially from a financial point of view for the u.s and there is an obvious discontent for I would go even further from just black people, but almost any other group to fight for people who might be trying to fight against people, your people. I think that America 
is beautiful in the sense that you can be from anywhere else and come here, but, you know. But can you, though? Yeah, that is the deeper question. Can you? But there's mm. this piece of me that's just, like, very, I, I don't like, like, barbarism or war at all. This point to me, like, sticks out to me because it's, it's them, like, kind of, I think, like, that's the interesting about each point, actually, is that it kind of flows into the next one. You know, in the last point that you kind of talked about, they want an education that teaches, like, true history and the true nature of this decadent society. And it's like, they kind of talk about how they don't want to be forced to serve the military, which is really just continuing, you know, the trend and the tradition of what, you know, America was doing before that kind of got us all in this situation in the first place. And that's kind of their point. It's like, all right, we're not, you know, we're only in this shitty situation because of these exact type of ideals and motivations. And now you want us to turn around and help you just continue this. I don't know. I, I read this and I'm just, I'm just thinking about how I think this is, to me, this is so important because this is like also in the middle of like probably the biggest moment as far as like anti-war sentiment goes in America. You know, this is like during the Vietnam War and everyone, not everyone, but you know, there was a huge like anti-war movement and people were starting to wake up to like, what are we really fighting for? Is it really democracy abroad? Is it really this? Or is it just for the interests of like a few people? who run things that's exactly the nature of our decadent american society it comes from the money comes from warmongering and imperialism damn you're gonna be saying decadent american society like all month aren't you <laughs> i don't I, I fuck with it though i will i will be look at this a maple matcha latte. This <laughs> decadent American society is disgusting. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Should we read the next one together? <laughs> you go for what? No, you read it. What the fuck? <laughs> that shit yourself. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Interesting. This is one of the ones that's like, wow, this was written in, what was this, 1960, October 1966? Mm-hmm. We want an immediate end to police brutality and murder of black people. We believe we can end police brutality in our black community by organizing black self-defense groups that are dedicated to defending our black community from racist police oppression and brutality. The Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States gives a right to bear arms. We therefore believe that all black people should arm themselves for self-defense. I agree. I agree with that. You agree with the whole thing? I agree that ever increasingly, I think every black person should own a gun. Mm. Harrison, you sound like you disagree. No, I was just testing him. I do agree with the whole thing. Yeah. I think, well, I have a specific opinion concerning this, and it's that in the United States... And this obviously goes without saying, uh, please end all police brutality and the needless murder. Find that this culture of firearms and guns in the United States is implacable. I, I don't think it can even be removed from the fabric of these United States so long as it is 
the United States. I think it would take anything short of a complete upheaval of the government and the culture of this country to get people to stop wanting and craving firearms. And this is fueled by the fact that the United States produces... Talk about it. Oh oh my god. They produce a lot of guns. I can tell you about to spit some facts, Harrison. Keep going. If we want to get into the numbers, I think that the United States produces like a third of the guns on the planet. What else? We make a lot of money off of making weapons (laughs) for the world. So for these reasons, you know, if we're the guys turning out all the guns and the firearms and the the ammunition, you know, it's hard to get it out of our streets and our, our communities. For that reason, I think that so long as these guns do exist and this culture of guns continues to exist, I mean, yeah, just arm yourself. Don't talk to cops. Get a gun. The end. Yeah, I definitely I definitely think I, I kind of agree with y'all. And I feel like that's been something that's been interesting. I've just been kind of figuring out how I feel about them for a long time because it is like weird to think about. It's like all right, like if you even if you don't agree with them, it's like it constantly feels like all right. How else do I protect myself when you live in a country where yeah, you know, so many people can be armed and like <laughs> you can be caught with nothing and just like you know <laughs> caught lacking if you will. exactly not, you know bro not caught lacking and it's like yeah to your point Harrison like these so many guns are manufactured in the United States and. You know, I don't even think it's necessarily like a cultural issue, but it like it's an economic one in a way because the manufacturers need to create demand for it because they need to make money off the guns they're making. They're not going to stop making guns. So they need to kind of like do everything they can. You know, that's why you have all these organizations that are pushing for that are lobbying to make sure that, you know, these guns can't go anywhere. You know, you have all these organizations that are pushing to create the culture around guns to make people feel like they need them. That's real. That something is around the corner coming and that they need to have them um, because there's there's the motivation is money. You know, if you follow the money, you can always find the answer. That's so real. Say that shit again. Like, follow yeah. the money, man. Like, lobbying. You said lobbying earlier. Bro, lobbying is the undoing of this democratic system we've got because lobbying is just legal bribery. Okay, there <laughs> is very little, if any, yes. difference between bribery and lobbying the difference being like like one of the only differences is that lobbying takes place between the government and uh corporation and uh, by the way corporations are considered people under citizens united which is a law so i can bribe a police officer and go to jail but you know if enron bribes a senator it's all good like that's allowed (laughs) it's a donation that's a donation bingo like but oh, but I can't donate to get out of this feeding ticket. Whatever, bro. <laughs> but you're right, and I I resonate. I resonate with this because it's it's confusing to navigate. Gun violence disproportionately affects people of color in the United States of America, and just this year, it's currently February of 2023. There have been a record high of gun violent incident or is it a record high there's been a lot of gun violence incidents in the united states of america right now and i don't want to use my podcast to fear monger a topic like gun violence 
but it exists and it's prevalent and it's still happening today. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, y'all, y'all basically said everything. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like you, Eric, you actually said something that made me think, but I, I also at one point, cause we're the same person sometimes, <laughs> buddy, <laughs> we're <laughs> sorry. I also at one point was like, yo, society should just not have guns. We should just have no guns here, but you grow up and you come to the realize the fact that, hey, America's got a gun fetish, a gun obsession. Guns are never going away in this country. So that's why I'm like, you know what? Every black person should have a gun because, I mean, <laughs> the first rule in the art of war by Sun Tzu Boy. is know your enemy and know how they fight. So why don't you know how? Facts. But it's tough, mm. though, at the same time, you know, to play devil's advocate to a point that I made earlier is that it's literally like undeniable statistically that <laughs> like adding guns to any type of altercation or situation just like makes it more likely to turn extremely violent <laughs> like so yeah it's a very it's a very dicey and shitty situation yeah. we find ourselves in but yeah portrayed very well by the boondocks <laughs> their their piece on the a nigga moment watch where you walking nigga hey what you say nigga Watch closely. You're about to experience a nigger moment. Webster defines the nigger moment as a moment when ignorance overwhelms the mind of an otherwise logical Negro male. What did you say, bitch nigger? Hey, squeeze it, nigger! Causing him to act in an illogical, self-destructive manner, i.e., like a nigger. Nigger moments are unpredictable. Hey, wait, man, wait. This is stupid. Hey, you right, dawg. Look, let's put the guns away and go on about our business. Freeze! But they all end up bad. If they had their own category, nigger moments would be the third leading killer of black men behind pork chops and FEMA. It's a fact. It's very important for the culture. That is quintessential black culture. Especially during Black History Month. Go watch the Boondocks. The Boondocks is Black History. Yeah. I mean. All right, what we got next? You know what? Oh. Huey Newton. You know what? Like, yeah. I just want to give some props. Just some props to Regina King. Because she never got her due hmm. for what she did for the Boondocks. Word. You mean everything. Shout out. Big up. <laughs> <laughs> she was the voice actor. For Huey and Riley. Yeah, that's... Anyways. When I when I learned that, I was like, wait a minute. Another piece of black history. Hold <laughs> up. You mean to tell me? Honestly, though, all, I, all of the voice actors that were on the Boondocks, great jobs. Iconic, talented. Love it. Thanks. My bad. A little off topic, but, you know, it's Black History Month. We're celebrating black queens whenever we can. Anyways, we're up to point number eight of ten on the ten-point program of the Black Panthers. Number eight, we want freedom for all black men held in federal, state, county, city prisons, and jails. We believe that all black people should be released from the many jails and prisons because they have not received a fair and impartial trial. Yo, keep it rolling with point nine because it combines with point eight. We want all black people when brought to trial to be tried in court by a jury of their peer group 
or people from their black communities as defined by the Constitution of the United States. We believe that the court should follow the U.S. Constitution so that black people will receive fair trials. The 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution gives a man a right to be tried by his peer group. Peer is a person from a similar economic, social, religious, geographical, environmental, historical, and racial background. To do this, the court will be forced to select a jury from the black community from which the black defendant came. We have been, and are being, tried by all white juries that have no understanding of the average reasoning man of the black community. Damn. This one. This one I resonate with because it feeds into what we see so often. We've we've seen so often, I should say, and continue to see where it feels like there are multiple legal systems where there's a sort of, you know, laws should be equal. It so often feels that people of different socioeconomic standing or racial backgrounds are judged more harshly than others based on factors like a jury of their peers or what really is a average reasoning man. It's very, very interesting. I love point eight because it's just it's just a blanket statement. Like first and foremost no black person in this country has ever nor will they ever receive a fair trial by default i love that the ninth point goes on to say the 14th amendment of the u.s constitution gives a man a right to be tried by his peer group i am learning this in real time i'm actually looking up the 14th amendment right now you know what that's that's a lot of words i'm not going to read that (laughs) Eric, what are your feelings towards point eight? Because I I resonate with that one. I know Nick does. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I completely agree. And I think that the the thing that it makes me think about is the wild part is what the U.S. did to, you know, members of the Black Panthers, of the Black Panther Party, and just people in the Black Power Movement at large. There's people who are still, you know, like Nick, you brought up earlier, um, or was it Harrison, that Tupac's, you know, stepfather was a Black Panther. And I actually think I might have been wrong. I think he was in the Black Liberation Army. But anyway, nonetheless, like he just recently got released after being incarcerated for a very long time. You know what I'm saying? Like we're talking about there are people who were incarcerated around this time in the 60s, 70s. Like they're saying, like, you know, they have they didn't receive any fair treatment or a fair trial and the legal system has always been used to kind of just oppress people like us however necessary you know to squash movements like this so it's like yeah i read that and i'm like yeah absolutely free all of them you know because the truth is the system that said that they need to be incarcerated is flawed completely it's completely unjust so that de- that one definitely resonates with me. Like, yeah, to this day, you know, we see it still. We see it still. Like, I think, you know, yeah. something that 
something that I've, you know, I've really, really stuck with me a couple of years back when everything went down in 2020, you know, um, people were talking about George Floyd and obviously he was murdered. But, you know, one thing people talk about is like, I saw people mention is that, you know, if he wasn't murdered, you know, the police officer was on his neck for six minutes and then he just went to the hospital, but then they threw him in a cage and they incarcerated him. A lot of people would not have even like thought twice about that and they would not have viewed it as, oh, that's unfair. You know, it would not have made such huge waves the way that it did. And I think like that just goes to show like how, how comfortable people are with people being incarcerated unfairly, you know? Yeah. So that definitely resonates with me because I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah, the lens is almost the lens is almost too focused. Yeah. In a way. You know, Whoa. you gotta pull back and see the bigger picture. Like, wait. Like, no, no, no. Not why did this person get killed by the police? Why did this person having a mental breakdown? Why were the police called in the first place? You know? You know? Why don't we have mental health services that are trained to properly de escalate a situation with without a gun? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's my emotional support strap. <laughs> yo is that what you tell tsa yo <laughs> no wait a minute um uh, yo traveling with harris it's mad fun but all jokes aside yes i my feelings towards this are 0.8 and 0.9 work together in harmony in that my belief is that there have not been that many what we can really call a a fair and impartial trial in a court uh, with a jury of one's peers because of many significant factors that make Amer- i mean that make america diverse but in and not in the way that we like where how many times are these trials being held for people who are black or brown where the jury of their peers is is really not their peers at all how can you really get a decision made that is according to the standards that the courts themselves are creating i think i think more must be done to kind of refine this justice system if we want it to accurately serve but, you know, I fear that that's something that will require more work. I don't know. I also just think that, like, prison as a punishment is, like, mm, barbarism. Anyway. Yeah, right. yeah, maybe not, like, that's the best thoughtful idea. Thoughtful. Yeah. Maybe not the best idea, right? To just, you did a bad thing, so we'll just put you in a cage. They really, yeah, that rebranding of slavery, man. Greatest marketing campaign of all time. You know this. The last point of the 10 points of the Black Panther Party for self-defense. We want land, bread, housing, education, clothing, justice, and peace. When... In the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume, among the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. 
a decent respect of the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. Wait, aren't you going to read the rest of it? The rest of it. What? (laughs) This nigga, I thought we had the same sheet. Oh, we hold these truths to be self-evident? That whole paragraph, nigga? This ain't fucking fourth grade. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you was going to read them. Bro. (laughs) How you leaving out points of the primary document, Nick? Come on. I know. I'm going to let Eric read them. Eric, take us home. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah, Nick, I'll take that. I'll take that from you. I got you. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This probably sounds familiar to our listeners at home. Hmm. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute a new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, did I say that right? Usurpations. Usurpations. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I didn't say that right. (laughs) (laughs) Never heard that word out loud before. (laughs) But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursing invariably the same object. I have no, I've never seen this word either. Wow, they really killing um, me at the end here. Evinces a divine design. <laughs> oh shit. Damn. <laughs> we all went to school. We all went to school. I've just never seen this word. I've just never seen this word before. <laughs> Evince. Evince. It means to reveal Evinces. the presence of a quality or feeling. All right, man. Nick, is this why you had me do this? Like, yo, <laughs> did you set me up? No. If I had known that those were there, I, I definitely would have asked you to read it. Still. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know they were there. All right, all right, all right. Whew. Pursing invariably the same objects evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. It is their right. It is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Man, that was a, that was a long one, but I think that was an interesting one. Yeah, thank you for reading the finishing piece of that document. Absolutely. I don't know why I feel like that was a shot at me. <laughs> I mean, did you did you take it that way? <laughs> yeah, you know. I sound like a dog on holler. <laughs> Since Eric was kind enough to read that for us, it did help me digest it a little bit better in understanding it. But it's very interesting. You know, they're saying, hey, we understand. The Panthers are basically saying, hey, we understand that governments should not be upturned for, you know, a slight little this and a slight little that. But we are suffering. 
So change this shit. And it is your responsibility to provide new guards for the future security. Correct? Oh, yeah. And I think the beautiful part about all of this is the Panthers are taking the words of the American, the the framers Mm. of the Constitution, the people who uh, were there at uh, the inception of the country, were taking their ideas and merely applying them. Because this document does sound a little bit like the preamble of the Constitution. The wording here that we need to overthrow a government if the the people are not being correctly governed, I do find that this is what this is saying here, is that uh, it's our obligation to abolish the oppressive government that is no longer serving us. And that uh, they are in this feeling of not being correctly governed or represented at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, this reminds me a bit of, um, you know, I think maybe last time I was on the podcast, I think I was reading this book or I maybe mentioned it, but I've been reading uh, Black Jacobins um, by C.L.R. James and in that he talks about the Haitian Revolution. And I think very similarly, I mean, you know, for anyone who might not know who's listening, like Haiti was um, colonized, you know, by the French and, you know, the Haitian revolution, you know, happened at a time where they were able to kind of turn to, they were kind of able to look at the French and be like, why don't you stay true to all these values that you claim to have? You know, the people there are saying that they want liberty and justice and this and that, but it's like, what about us? And I feel like that's kind of a similar sentiment happening here. Why they kind of want that route and how they presented this. It's like, you know, these are things that y'all say is so important, you know, that y'all say y'all are fighting for when you go abroad and you go fight another country or whatever it is. So it's like, so why does this not apply to us? You know, should we, you know, if your whole country is supposedly founded on the idea that if a government's not not governing you properly if they're not actually they don't actually have your best interests at heart then you should be able to do something about it then it's them basically saying like should then we do the same exact thing is that what you're saying because that's what it sounds like to me you know exactly we're merely pointing to their actions and saying why not us as well some for me not for thee is that no i hate that turn of phrase why'd you use it Um, I got you. I got you with a better one. They basically said it's cool when they do it, but it's a problem when I do it. Yes. There you go. So it's all cool when they're going to do it. We said the same thing, but you made more sense. (laughs) Um, I think that the point of we want land, bread, housing, education, clothing, justice, and peace, that is just in summary all other that's points yep. one to nine right there all again the points, yeah it's just when it yep. when it's right there in front of your face you're just like how is this that much different than what we american citizens are already told that we have until it hits you wait we don't have that shit we just get told we can have most of it but what we really get is some sort of diminished or or perverted substitute of those things that we are promised to have opportunity to. So good on them. Good on these guys and girls for 
really being <laughs> true Americans here and saying, I, I want my American citizen rights that I am apparently promised to have. Wow. And I'm conditioned to almost, to almost have that as a weird phrase. The Black Panthers are the true Americans. You really think about it. Like you said, they're just demanding their rights as citizens of this country. Citizens of this country that are now citizens, but were brought here involuntarily. If you're going to give me rights, let me use my rights. No, exactly. Or give me these equal opportunities and protections under the law that I am supposed to have. I I want to focus in on one sentence out of that final paragraph because it really spoke to me right quick. Mm. And I'm starting from the middle of the sentence right here, but I think this is the part that speaks to me. Quote, All experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. So what they're really saying is, people, humans, we can handle some hard times. When you could deal with it, you could Mm -hmm. deal with it, and you could get through it, and it might be a little tough, but you can hang in there. But we're more likely to sit down and suffer through something and survive another day than we are with standing up, rising up, getting together, and crumbling the foundations of oppression that they are used to living under and suffering under. And it is precisely for those reasons that we should pay extra mind to when we are being oppressed by larger systems that we just constantly look to and say, it is what it is. Because, <laughs> you know, like, is. am I making sense? Like, like, like... No, you actually, you are actually. I mean, I just read what they wrote. Crazy facts, right? But now. I don't in want a to different you. tone, in a different font, like, because <laughs> yeah, in less elegant terms, like we are often just complacent in taking another day of all this madness instead of saying enough is enough. Let's just be done with it. And the frustration on the on this document just like bleeds out to me. Because it's clear to me that the people who wrote this were frustrated with the conditions that black people were living under for so long when they penned this in 1966. Absolutely. I mean, conditions in Oakland back then were, for black people, just terrible. Overcrowded, not like improperly, not improperly. Let's use the correct word here, Nick. Over-policed communities. All of that turmoil. Thankfully, they were able to get organized and, and get these very coherent points across. You know, just like very like this is very straightforward, very in your face. And it's it's really disappointing 
to see that not a lot has of change has has come from this document directly because this is a very power these well, are very Nick, powerful words. Do you like think you there's said. a reason why this document wasn't <laughs> really talked about all that much or maybe you haven't heard of it before? <laughs> Does anyone in the room have any ideas as to why we might not have heard about this? <laughs> Makes too much Makes sense. Too much sense. Can't have that now, you know. Like you know, like you said, Harrison. Like I think it's it's really easy to just always just accept. Like, well, this is just how things are. You know what I'm saying? And. I think this right here is like, you know, important because it was telling people like they put this out to tell people like it really actually doesn't have to be this way. Like things could be different. And a lot of times people's, you know, imaginations are purposefully kept very limited as far as how things can be, how society can be structured. And they were really out here saying like things could be different and it wouldn't be that hard for the people who can make things different to actually do that. It would not be it would not be that hard, no. Starts starts in the community this is what i this is what i believe when it comes to any political or cultural movement and it's not the answer that people really like but change is going to start one person at a time in what some like to call a grassroots movement where you have to actually do things to make that change in the world to make the change you want to see, to bring this back to what we were talking about at the start. I think it's the spirit of the Black Panther Party to be the change that they wanted to see in the world. And to zoom it out in this very special Black History Month, I feel that black people are in the United States, I mean, all over the world, are often put into a situation where Got to be that change you want to see in the world because, like, not a lot of other people are standing up for you type thing. So that sense of community is so important. Because we just so often are going with the systems, the the scaffolding and, and machinations of a corporate capitalist world designed by, designed by, I mean, to just call a spade a Talk spade. Really white people, white people. Like, white people have been the hegemonic group Call in the it. United States of America since it was the United States of America. And Yacoub. The, the, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, come on. God damn it. I've just been adamant. <laughs> um, but to, to, to really just pin, like, string this shit all together, it's like, you have to be that sense of community. That's, that's the genius that I see in the Black Panther Party. They said, we yes. can't just change it by being just angry or just militant or just really black and together. You need to do all those things together and spread the word and build a sense of community. Pay attention to the language that they kept using throughout the document. Remember what they wanted for housing? They didn't want the right for individual people to own housing. They want communes. They want us to come together as cooperate together we they don't just want employment and income they want the ability for their community 
to create mm. employment, to create means of the to to own the means of production, so that they can, as a community, as a group, come together and build something real. That's what I think the real value is. Yo, and yo, I got one more thing to add. Keep going. I got, I got one more thing to add, and what I else? would be sorry, sorry. remiss. <laughs> I would be remiss. To, to do this episode so heavily themed around the Black Panther Party without mentioning that just about two-thirds of the Black Panther Party were women. And a lot of the programs that they did in communities, which involved things like free, free school lunches, uh, free breakfasts and stuff for their communities – and even some like education programs where they would you could call it like daycare, babysitting, teaching children, stuff like that. These were services that were being provided by more often than not women in the party because the party was two thirds women. To your point, Harrison, Fred Hampton was murdered. Hmm. Speak on that. Here's the one thing. That I think all a lot of the topics we talk about can be, you know, a lot of the a lot of these, you know, like what the what we didn't learn in school, you know, I feel like a, an easy way to figure out if this is something that you should probably know about is if the FBI or the CIA or any facet of the American government has tried to destabilize it at one point. You should know about that. <laughs> the FBI at that time. Uh, Eric, you mentioned earlier the Black Liberation Army, for example. Yep. You know, different groups like that existed. And while they didn't work, you know, they worked in harmony. You know, there A lot of them were going for the same cause, but they were independent groups. The FBI was at work pitting, pitting those groups against each other, as it's done for years. Pitting minority minority groups against each other. They, I would think that as, a, as you do your your historical research... If the, at any point the FBI or the CIA was like, yo, we got to shut this down, like, like Eric, like <laughs> Kwame Nkrumah, Ghana, like if at any point they're like, yo, we got to stop this, you should probably, you should probably know about it because it's probably, we it probably leads to a better We've society. talked about several things that the letter organizations have done on our podcast. Just look at Nicaragua. Uh, look at Panama, uh, Venezuela. It's a very long list. Yeah, Cu- like, yeah Cuba. Like, yeah. I mean, geez. <laughs> you could just say a country. Haiti. Haiti. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. How could we forget? <laughs> that's multiple times. They've been there a few okay, times now. Yeah, it's happening right now. Uh, oh, yeah. That's topical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you said. Yeah, they're there right now. Liberating. But... <laughs> But it's time to wrap this show up. So, yo, I learned a lot today. The ten points of the Black Panthers are are something I think are something I might read every day when I wake up in the morning, just to remind myself what it's really all for. Word, you know the the whole. You know what? I, this is something. I, this is my closing remark of something I thought of lately is is reimagining, you know, my goals and my future, because. If we have to be completely honest with ourselves, when we're of quote unquote retirement age, capitalism retirement age, the world is not going to look how the world currently mm-hmm. looks. 
friends of of Eric's that have become close friends of mine have talked about living in the same thing that the Panthers were talking about, the you know, a, a micro community or a co-op where, you know, a lot of the people there, yes, they work a nine to five, but they're also responsible for growing tomatoes for that community. Or, you know, someone's responsible for trash disposal for the whole community. You're working as a community to sustain as a community. You know, I think that's 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 changed in my goals. So I definitely want a, a crew of good people around me. And as it comes to traditional capitalistic retirement, you know, what does that look like? You know, generational wealth is very important and that's a very important thing to accrue. But how many more generations are we really going to have? So that's just something I've been thinking about. Nothing too heavy. You know, some light. What if, yeah, I know you like stuff. What if the generational wealth is not currency? What if the generational wealth is the richness of the community that they will be born into rather than the monetary status that they are born into? Mm. Wait, he cooking right now. He cooking. What if we can imagine a future Hold where on, instead of handing millions to your next generation and thinking, I've done mm-hmm. the best I can do, you hand them a beautiful, flourishing community with support mm-hmm. systems, people you can trust, mm-hmm. and resources to be something bigger than just oneself in that community or the next community that they find themselves wanting to be in hell yeah 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 facts i have nothing to add to that that was something to think about fantastic something to chew on eric i know we're ending kind of suddenly but eric e-money you got any closing thoughts for us Thank you for coming back, by the way. Oh, of course. You are you are an eternal co-host. Come back whenever. <laughs> yeah, we'll try to make this a more common thing. I think. I mean, I think you guys said a lot of it. Honestly, I don't think I have too much to add at the end. I guess, like, I guess what I would want to say is like reading through this with y'all, like going down, like kind of dissecting what the Panthers were talking about. To me, just kind of is a reminder for me and I hope is either a reminder or maybe the first time like people, you know, who are listening can think about just the importance of, you know, they were not talking about getting representation or, you know, being seen, but more just acquiring power and the ability to have autonomy over their lives and their livelihood. And I think like that to me, is one of the most important things that I hope more people can kind of shift to thinking about is that, you know, again, like, yeah, like y'all were saying, you know, how do you have, how do you create a community around your people so that you can actually support each other? How do you have systems that are actually empowering your people instead of taking from them? That to me is, I guess, like what I hope more people and even me myself, like I just should, you know, be thinking about actively and more frequently, you know, watching, you know, our favorite celebrity, you know, win an award or become a billionaire, according to Forbes, like that's cute and all, but like that doesn't do anything that doesn't accomplish any of these goals, you know, or move these forward. And I think Harrison, you kept touching on it because it kept being brought up in these 10 points, but community is the biggest thing, the whole, you know, the group of people, not just the individual. So 
I think to me, that's the biggest thing that I'll be thinking about is just how I can kind of, you know, apply some of these principles to my own life and what that means, small interactions, large interactions, whatever. But I think if more people can think about that more consciously, we can hopefully start moving towards realizing some of these things, you know, that they were talking about at this point, like, damn near half a century ago. Yeah. And that's why, as one other really important black person said, the revolution will not be televised. Gil Scott Heron. Gil Scott Heron. There we go. Shit. Thank you. The revolution will not be televised. It starts inside <laughs> your mind. So everybody has to wake up. But you got to do, you got to be the changes that you want to see. And then as you make those changes that you want to see in the world, you will find other people who are working towards similar goals. And you, with your group of people, together can do amazing things for the world. I see no change. Wake nah, up in the morning nah, nah, and nah, ask nah, yourself. Nah, nah, nah. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. Uh, <laughs> thank you for being here. Yo, thanks for having me on here, yo. Yeah, no doubt, yo. Come back anytime, and then you do have to stay for most people's favorite part of the show. That's good. Again, I also don't give Harrison this feedback because it does damage <laughs> to my ego. But, hey. Harrison, you got any closing remarks for us? As a matter of fact, I do. Long live the rose that grew from concrete when no one else even cared. Just drop the mic right there. Who's that? Bro. I ain't saying who that is. <laughs> you don't know who that is. You might need to reevaluate. What did you just sit down for? <laughs> Like 90 minutes to listen. <laughs> if you don't know who said that quote, it was Tupac Shakur. Come nice. on. Was it Diddy? <laughs> it was actually Kodak Black. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was Aristotle, my bad. We know. We know. <laughs> what? <laughs> huh? Aristotle. Who? Aristotle. It was Julius uh... Caesar. <laughs> Julius Caesar was black. Don't do this. Are we, we have time to get into that. <laughs> Find out on the next episode of Brown Not Black. <laughs> Yo, we should have a conspiracy episode. We just say the dumbest. We tank all our credibility immediately. <laughs> Sicily is close enough to Africa, anyways. Thank you for rocking. No, we're not doing. Thank you for rocking with us. <laughs> we're not doing it right now. All right. It is. It's pretty close. You can see yo, the coast. Yo, of you gotta stop. Cut that shit out. It's not me. <laughs> Hannibal. Hannibal did y'all this. Hannibal. This is not me. Y'all have tried to end this episode like five times. <laughs> Hannibal Barca is black. Is that what you're going to tell me next? The Carthaginian general. I mean, no, he's not black. But why do you think he hated Caesar so much? Shout out. Brown Not Black fam, get in touch with us. Our socials are below. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Harrison. Come on, come on. I see no changes. Wake up in the morning and I ask myself, is life worth living? Should I blast myself? I'm tired of being poor and even worse, I'm black. My stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a purse to snatch. Cops give a damn about a Negro. Pull a trigger, kill him. He's a hero. Get a to the kids who the hell cares. One less hungry mouth on the welfare. First ship them dope and let them deal with brothers. Give them guns.
other Step back, watch them kill each other It's time to fight back, that's what Huey said Two shots in the dark, now Huey's dead I got love for my brothers But we can never go nowhere unless we share with each other We gotta start making changes Learn to see me as a brother instead of two distant strangers And that's how I'm supposed to be I can the devil take a brother if he's close to me uh, I let it go back to when we played as kids But then change, that's the way it is Come on, come on That's just the way it is Things will never be the same That's just the way it is Oh yeah I want to be, only way I've, I've been practicing my whole life to live my life is to be responsible for what I do. I don't know how to be responsible for what every black male did. I don't know. I, yes, I am going to say that I'm a thug. That's because I came from the gutter and I'm still here. I see no changes. All I see is racist faces. Misplaced hate makes disgrace to racist. We under, I wonder what it takes to make this. One better place to erase the wasted. Take the evil out the people, they'll be acting right. Cause both black and white and smoke tonight and the only time we chill is when we kill each other it takes guilt to be real time to heal each other and although it seems evident we ain't ready to see a black president uh, it ain't a secret or concealed a fact a penitentiary's fat and it's filled with blacks but some things will never change try to show another way but staying in the dope game now tell me what's a mother to do being real don't appeal to the brother in you you gotta operate the easy way i made a g today but you made it in a sleazy way selling back to the kids i gotta get paid well, that's the way it is. Come on, come on. That's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. That's just the way it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. That's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. and still I see no changes. Can a brother get a little peace? It's war on the streets and a war in the Middle East. Instead of war on poverty, they got a war on drugs so the police can bother me. And I ain't never did a crime I ain't have to do. But now back with the box, giving it back to you. Don't let them jack you up, back you up, crack you up, and pip smack you up. You gotta learn to hold your own. They get jealous when they see you with your mobile phone. But tell the cops I can't touch this. I don't trust this. When they try to rush, I bust this. That's the sound number two. You say it ain't cool. I didn't raise no fool And as long as I stay black I gotta stay strapped And I never get to lay back Cause I always gotta worry about the payback Some buck that I roughed up way back Coming back after all these years Right, tat, 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 tat That's the way it is That's just the way it is Things will never be the same That's just the way it is Oh yeah That's just the way it is Things will never be the same That's just the way it is Oh yeah Something will never change